Hi, everybody, and welcome to Digital Capital Advisors Fireside Chat Series, Episode 2. We're really excited to have you here. Uh, I'm Andrew Daniel. I'm a senior investment banker on, a on the team here at Digital Capital Advisors. For those of you that don't know, Digital Capital Advisors is a global investment bank. We've got offices in New York, Berlin, and San Francisco, uh, and we're about to celebrate our 10-year anniversary in September, which we're all very excited about. Uh, the Fireside Chat Series is a great opportunity for us to have conversations with world-class founders, CEOs, and entrepreneurs from a variety of industries that DCI operates in. And today, we've got a phenomenal guest, the co-founder and CEO of T-Vision, who we're very excited to welcome to the show. Jan, welcome. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, great to uh, speaking with all of the um, audience in front of the screen. Uh, I know it's a, a special COVID-19 situation, and hopefully everybody uh, is, is getting through this crisis and uh, um, coming out on the other side um, stronger. That's what we're open for as well. Um, awesome. Well, we're, we've got a pretty cool conversation laid out for today, talking about TV, advanced TV, uh, what the measurement space looks like, how everything fits together. But maybe we'll start by talking about T-Vision and hearing a little bit about the story of the business, where you guys have come from, why it was founded, uh, maybe some of the products and USPs that you think about. But I think that'd be a great starting point, and we can go from there. Sure. Um, so I started this business around six years ago when I was a grad student at MIT. Um, before that, I was running a small agency back in Asia, in Shanghai and Tokyo. Um, so as an agency person, I learned in a hard way that there is a bunch of issues on the measurement system, especially around TV measurement system. Um, so with that kind of the uh, inspiration, I went to MIT, then I just got to know many great computer vision scientists or AI scientists, and they started to tell me you might be able to build something better than existing TV measurement system to really track audience attention in a passive manner at second by second level, which was a great idea. So I really started this as a class project, um, build a prototype, uh, putting the device into my friend's home, um, then gradually really scale this up from my dorm room. Right, it's kind of the typical uh, cottage um, startup story. Um, at one point, I got so so uh, I can get into my business later. But it's basically we need to purchase device to make this work. I purchased so many devices from so many like a Best Buy type of stores. They basically blocked my credit card. Then I keep purchasing from online website like Amazon, New Eggs. But I'm in the university dorm, right? So uh, one day, um, I got an email from MIT that, like, hey, we're receiving hundreds of devices uh, <laughs> made into your dorm uh, room, and clearly you don't have enough space. What's going on here? Uh, which, which is a, a funny story. But, but I graduated in 2015. We raised some money. And then we really started to build out our um, panel to collect the data then it's really the cycle. We build a panel, we collect the data, then we offer data to our clients, then use that uh, as a new revenue. We prove our traction, then we expand the panel, raise more money, then we get more clients. So we're running this cycle for the last five, six years. Um, so we're a VC-backed company. Um, at this point, raised around $23 million. 
um, we uh, are closing a new round. Um, and the, the, our main product is, is really, um, I think, the twofold. At high level, we are really building a new generation TV measurement system, um, a bit more like a, a, a digital media type of the measurement, which is actionable, real-time, high-quality, very granular. Um, uh, that, that's really what we do. And I think there are mainly two aspects of our unique element of value propositions of our uh, data. One is around attention. So we think attention is very important currency for the entire marketing industry. At the end of the day, we're basically either buying or setting audience attention. However, until this point, no one able to track audience attention in a scalable manner. So it's a good concept to use attention as a currency, but if you cannot measure, it's tough. Sure. We are the first company commercialized attention technology and able to track attention at scale. So that's key product. Another key product now is really around the cross-platform measurement, especially around OTT streaming, which I'm sure we'll talk more today. That is a huge opportunity ahead of us because for OTT, there's no a legacy currency such as TV ratings. It's an equal play field for, for company like us to compete with a bigger research management companies. So we're, we're very excited about uh, ODT streaming product and that is getting huge traction, especially post COVID. So as we think about TV measurement space, I think there's been a really direct evolution that's happened, right? We came from a very legacy world, which to some extent we're still in with the Nielsen's and the Cantars and the others of the world, uh, basing particularly on the audience side on, again, fairly legacy broad stroke data sets that limits visibility. We've evolved now though with players like yourselves and others trying to not only address the audience side of the equation, but then on the other side, attribution and measurement of ads being played and all sorts of broad uh, measurement that goes on with the ecosystem. And so I'd be curious as you think about that transition, you know, what did that look like for you as somebody operating in the space? Uh, and how do you think about the ecosystem today? Where do problems still live? What's going well and what's not? Mm -hmm. So the, at high level, the way I think about the entire kind of the measurement ecosystem, I think there are mainly uh, three pieces in terms of the advertising process. So first, you need to measure impression or GRP or TV rating. That's basically the quantity of, of the ad exposure, what's on the screen, right? That, that's important. Then the second layer is around the quality of the impression essentially viewability, attention, engagement, that's the middle layer. In digital media, as you know, mode IS double verify really led the evolution of digital viewability, and now that's part of the currency. So that's the, the, the second layer. The third layer is what you talk about, about like attribution or, or MMM, MTA, all, all type of like a data science or RI type of studies. I think that's the last layer. Yeah. Uh, if you look at this like three layers, the digital media really started from first impression, right? CPM-based pricing, Comscore captures impression, then gradually evolved into digital viewability, then the bunch of companies able to track RI, attribution, et cetera. So that's kind of the evolution of the, the industry. 
if you look at TV, because Nielsen rating was pretty much the only uh, currency for the impression side of the business, it was not easy to run any advanced data science on the RI side, yeah. right? So that's why I think people have been using MMM for a very long time. However, things started to change from, I would say, 2015, 16 is the smart TV data become available yeah. for the impression capturing. That really helped um, uh, to create the TV attribution industry, which is really using the large-scale census data. Um, I think that's a really good thing. Yeah. In addition, company like us, we started to produce high-quality viewability attention data for TV screen, equivalent of basically mode for TV, right, in the, in the, in the TV ODT space. I think that's also a very good thing. So I think the TV industry is catching up, um, the digital media, uh, in terms of the mid-funnel engagement and uh, the outcome-driven attribution analysis, which are both very important. And I think that's a really important thing for the industry. But in order to make that happen, industry uh, does need a more advanced data set to make it happen, which is partially what we do. Yeah, I think we see it quite similarly. And, and as we look at the landscape, much as you just said, and we think about it in three parts as well. On one side, you have the measurement of audience, right? And ultimately, you're talking about ratings distribution against that mm -hmm. audience. And we think in that phase, the level of technology that exists today makes it that audience at a granular level is very poorly measured, right? Ultimately, it's used primarily Nielsen data sets to understand audience in a very limited subsect and then forecasted or projected out against a very broad array. I think that's part of where a business like yours fits in, right? Providing additional visibility into the audience set so advertisers understand what they're deploying ads against. And so I think that's step mm -hmm. one for us. We think there are very significant holes in that today and in businesses like T-Vision are helping to solve that. The next tier is ultimately measuring the ad distribution, right? Can we understand both paid, so actually advertisements that are put out in pods, and earn media impressions? Uh, and I think that today visibility is challenging, right? If you look at who's doing that today, that data is not high quality. You have a lot of folks who are doing it paid measurement, right? They go out and look at the ad pods. They can tell you when your ad pod was played, but then it kind of falls apart when you try to get a holistic view, right? I think one of the classical examples that gets used is, if Oprah promotes your book on her show, you don't get to measure that, right? But it'll have a very significant effect on your sales. And so there's this lack of visibility that exists in an open web setting as you compare against digital media or some of the others. And then lastly, you kind of have this attribution component, which is now that we, if we did everything well, right? We know the audience we targeted to, we know where our paid and earned media was spent, how do we go and then attribute that to sales? And it also falls apart here today, right? Despite a lot of dollars going into uh, venture-backed businesses in that category. And I think what's been interesting overall is the evolution of the space. And I think in our eyes, where we need to get to is quite a bit away from where we are today. As we look out in the ecosystem, there's foundational problems in each of those buckets. And I think what happens, you know, venture capital got a little distracted by this idea of attribution. They looked out in the kind of traditional digital media and said, there was a lot of value in attribution businesses, right? If we can understand that, we get closer to closing that full loop. But the reality is in TV, if you put all the dollars in attribution, the underlying, underlying data that feeds those attribution platforms is often so bad that you can't get really high quality attribution. And so we've ended up in this strange spot where if you look at where the dollars have went, 
the data side of the equation hasn't really captured as many venture dollars as the attribution side of the equation, but the attribution side is fundamentally reliant on where the data comes from. And so for us, it's this interesting evolution that's occurred. And in our eyes, we think about where we're headed, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, we think there's a unification of some of these players to come together, right? And we don't think that's going to happen uh, of a Nielsen deciding tomorrow all of a sudden they're going to be non-legacy or I think it's going to be something new. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, but interesting how you see it. And so let me ask the question, how do you think about that correlating to TV advertising today? So if we step back from just the measurement space and ultimate TV measurement, what's your thought on how that correlates with TV advertising specifically? And how does better data visibility or better measurement capability improve the ability to enhance and target advertising? Sure. Um, so uh, I think there's a, a very relevant topic, which is the new MRC video management standard uh, sure. for video. Sure. Um, that is supposed to solve many, many issues you just mentioned. Essentially, try to bring the quality or the granularity of TV measurement to the same level as digital video, which is a great thing. Sure. Because today, if you look at video time span, roughly 20, 30% of the video time span is OTT, which is using a very different measurement system. Gotcha. So you really cannot compare that against uh, linear TV impression in an apples-to-apples manner which is a big issue, and this issue is getting bigger. Um, so MRC proposed, all right, so let's track everything in a second-by-second, person-by-person uh, uh, manner so we can compare YouTube against ABC Disney, which is great. Yeah. Uh, but there's one issue, uh, which goes back to your question. The TV rating system is not based on second-by-second. Second. It's kind of based on the person-by-person, person, but certainly not based on the second-by-second. Uh, which is very challenging for us to even track an individual ad because ad is typically 15 seconds or 30 seconds. These days, some ads are six seconds. If you're only able to track minute by minute, you're going to miss that granularity. Then if you cannot even track an ad, there's no way you're going to run any attribution stuff. I mean, you even don't know whether an ad is aired or not. Yeah. So, so I think that's a good example why um, high-quality data set or granular data set is important to advance the entire industry because if you cannot track ad, you just cannot run any attribution study. In order to do that, you need company like us to supply person-by-person, second-by-second level data at scale. Right. Uh, another important aspect of this MRC guideline is the, the concept of duration. So instead of just counting the impression, let's understand the, the active seconds a person gets exposed, right? Whether it's five seconds or 10 seconds, which makes sense because if a person watch a commercial for 10 seconds, that's better than five seconds. That's better than one second, sure. right? Uh, there are tons of studies show, longer you watch a commercial, you tend to remember the ads, you tend to take actions uh, to buy the product. But today, because of the limitation of the measurement system, it, there's no solution really able to track duration on the TV screen or OTT screen, which is an issue, right? So I think uh, the advancement of the fundamental, the basic layer of the measurement will help the entire industry to solve these issues. And that ultimately will increase the value of all ad inventory 
in the TV OTT space. Um, so that's really a good thing for the industry. Yeah. I also think that as that problem gets fixed, right, and ultimately we both have better visibility with regards to uh, the measurement of ads in play, both paid and earned, and the ability to understand the audience in a real-time basis, not minute by minute or worse, right, which I think is often the standard today. Uh, if you can unify those two things together, right, and give that answer, then you give advertisers the ability to deploy more dollars against TV um, and do so in a more targeted way. I think that captures a broader slice of the total ad dollars that they're spending. And as you know, today, TV is still a significant slice, right? It is not a small slice by any means. But it's always been done in kind of a, what I call a spray and pray type method, right? We know there's generally an audience on this particular show at this particular time. We know we can deploy against it. We don't really understand where the dollars go in the end of the day, but you know we can spend it. We know that it goes on for the most part. If we can improve the clarity of that targeting and therefore the clarity of things that are more advanced, right, where we're headed, personalization, custom, whatever, um, then I think you do a better job at making an argument to deploy more dollars against TV. And TV as an asset class is very unique, right? If you think about that as a block, from an ability to go target a really large audience perspective, very unusual, right? Even against some of the digital media alternatives or the internet alternatives. And so you just need a bit more help and you're able to capture those dollars. And so as we think about where that ecosystem is headed, I think that's a big component of it. But you're absolutely right in pointing to one of the key foundational problems is if we can't understand the audience, then the whole thing falls apart, right? I mean, that's that's the advantage that you get in an internet setting. Used to be through cookies, now it's through transactions and through everything else, device IDs, et cetera. We don't have that capability in TV by any means. And the nearest alternative, not including you guys, is fairly far afield from where they need to be. 100% agreed. Um, and on the audience like segments-based targeting, I think that's a great thing for TV. However, I think um, we're kind of still in the early stage oh, of yeah. the audience targeting business. There's uh, many two issues. I think one is there are many, many suppliers of audience segment data. Some are high quality, some are low quality. Yeah. And there are many of them. If you are a marketer, kind of, hey, I'm going to run this addressable TV campaign. I need to buy some audiences data from LiveRap, let's say. It's just so many choices. And the average marketer cannot like, vet every single data vendor yeah. then decide which one's high quality. And it's impossible to test all of them. So I think as the industry evolves, there need to be some type of the um, framework to, to really evaluate all the data quality and uh, to, to help marketers to use the highest quality data, right? I think that's, that's uh, a one challenge. Second is um, the privacy. As, as the, the, the GDPR, CCPA, and all these privacy regulations help the industry to become a cleaner place, I think the many practice of the um, data collection will become a bit uh, shady. Yeah. Um, earlier this year, you saw the shutdown of JumpShot, which is a good example. I, I do expect that many data companies, um, the way they collect the TV data, got some challenge under these new regulations. That will also limit the number of the data suppliers significantly for the scale of the data, which means uh, the industry need to figure out a new way to collect the data in a privacy safe, but also scalable manner, which is not easy, but that's another challenge we need to solve. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you're pointing at is ultimately a really key point, kind of our general thesis, right? If you live in a world where it's highly fragmented, and I think increasingly fragmented, you have some of the uh, the OEMs coming in and trying to do uh, their own little uh, data warehouse, right, capabilities, whether it's measurements of ads, whether it's whatever, confusing and, and ultimately populating data sets. You've got new players across a very fragmented landscape. And unfortunately, if you look at ad tech and martech more broadly as an example of where things head in spaces that are evolving, we know there are always going to be a lot of vendors. And I think that's why there's a very compelling need ultimately to consolidate um, really a few of these players together. LiveRamp has tried to do this to some extent with Data Plus Math, but more on the attribution side than the data quality underneath side, right? They've said, I'd rather be data agnostic to some extent and flow into attribution and therefore live on exactly what you're talking about, right? We can create a marketplace of data access that we can plug into attribution. And that's one choice. Um, but again, there's that real need to help systematically consolidate a few of these players together in the hope that that enables marketers to not only evaluate, right, ensure additional standards help with that MRC being an example, but ultimately more seamlessly say, this is a high quality provider that uh, fulfills my needs, um, but that B, gets some kind of scale advantage, right? And whether that's geographic scale, whether that's um, segment scale, whatever, uh, you need that. And I think today, as we look at the landscape and again, fragmentation, you know, if you want to go find the, the data in France, it's very different providers and companies in the data in even Germany, very, very different the data um, in Hong Kong into the U.S., right? And so you have this problem if you're a really large brand or you're inside of an agency trying to service really large brands that are operating globally, and it just creates this limiter that I think has, as I said earlier, an effect on the amount of dollars that are flowing into TV generally. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. So let's talk about OTT because I think it's a natural transition. So I think OTT is one of the things that sometimes confuses people in regards to how it fits into advanced TV. And I'm curious to get your thoughts. As I think about what folks think about as I have conversations with them, on one side, it seems that there's an advantage, right? If you have somebody in an OTT setting, particularly if it's on a computer or a device, sometimes on a TV as well because they're logging in, you know more about them in theory, right? You should have a better idea of who they are, you have a better idea of their devices, you understand them, at least more holistically than you get in an open TV setting. And then on the flip side, you often are in a contained environment, right? And that's particularly true for SBOD and Netflix being the, the key example or Amazon Prime being an example or whatever, where you're living inside of a walled garden where that data is difficult to access, right? You can't typically crawl that or capture. And so I'd be curious, as you think about OTT specifically, you know, what are the inherent measurement advantages slash challenges and how does that fit into advanced TV more broadly as you think about the space? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. So the biggest advantage, as you pointed out, is getting the impression become much easier because people log in and you know what's, what's going on the screen, uh, which is fantastic. Um, but the issue is every single platform try to collect that data for themselves and they want to keep all the data for themselves. Sure. So from marketer's point of view, it's very challenging. Let's say I want to run an ODT campaign across Hulu and Pluto and uh, Peacock, right? In addition, I'm going to run something on YouTube. I'm going to run something on traditional linear TV. Uh, the way to buy media, optimize media, measure media, evaluate all these campaigns are completely different. This is a nightmare for the marketers. Yeah. Unless we solve this issue at some point, this industry is not going to scale because if it's experimental budget, 
right? A few million bucks, sure, yeah, let's just do a pilot. But if this becomes tens of hundreds of millions, at some point, they have to develop something to really measure everything using the unified matrix. Yeah. Um, just give you a couple, like a simple examples, right? In ODT today, most of the brands have no idea where the ad run in which spot. So this is kind of a crazy concept because uh, you've just purchased audience's segment, yeah. but maybe all of your spot was aired overnight in a really kind of the minor, really bad program, right? But you just don't know. So I think it's right uh, uh, for advertisers to know, at least at the show level, where exactly my spot was aired. I think that's important information, which they're they're not getting this from most of the publishers today. Um, Another thing is really on the key matrix, right? Like um, if everybody able to report based on the new MRC guideline, I think that's fantastic. Um, But today it's like all over the places and there's no like a currency uh, exchanger. You're able to convert all these numbers or the brands or agency got to do this by themselves, which is a lot of work. So I think these are all the challenges for the industry. Um, And another uh, key example is the reach and frequency control because lack of all the data we just talked about, it's just difficult to understand at person level what's the reach and frequency. So you may run, let's say, three campaigns, uh, Hulu, YouTube, and Pluto, it ends up kind of, uh, you have 50 or 100 frequency on one particular person, but you're never able to reach the rest of the population, which is not the design of the campaign. But unless those publishers are willing to provide a granular uh, um, uh, unified matrix a comparable matrix for the industry, we're never going to get there. I think that's something, it's a bit hard to push one publisher to make it happen. It requires a third-party measurement company to take a lead and some industry associations such as IB or MRC to help us to, to, to make it happen. Then I think that's really a good thing for, for all stakeholders in the industry, including those publishers. Uh, I think you're pointing to a really interesting thing in that as I think about what happened in ad tech traditionally in an open web setting, you ended up with walled gardens, right? And those walled gardens were created mainly because the scale was so significant inside of those walled gardens that, you know, it didn't really matter, right? You can live inside of Facebook and spend lots of money inside of Facebook as an example uh, and do so comfortably because the reach was so significant um, and the engagement was so significant that you could feel comfortable doing that. And, and Facebook and now Amazon and now some of the others have enough scale, Google, et cetera, have enough scale to justify that, right? If you want to go out and do a targeting campaign, you might put some dollars into Google and go deal with that. You might put some money into Facebook and go deal with that. But it's because the scale is so significant. If you go into AVOD, though, um, and let's think about the big AVOD players, right? You mentioned Hulu, Peacocks, and the others. um, And you begin to try to make the same argument. I think it's much more difficult, right? You don't have these really clear scale advantages. A Hulu has significant scale, right? Nobody's going to doubt that. Is it as significant as Facebook in regards to uh, the priority of targeting? I think the answer is probably no. 
we're in the early days. I think there's a lot of experimental spends going on, right? Folks saying for the first time, an agency finally convincing a brand owner, brands finally deciding to go do it, say, hey, I'll go deploy, right? I've been doing linear TV for a long time. Maybe AVOD's interesting, right? Maybe it's a different audience. Maybe it's a different whatever, but it's, it's testing. And the results that come back feel like testing because there's not very much visibility. And some of the visibility is truly terrifying, right? I think that's the unfortunate reality. If you go look at the, the data that comes back, it's almost terrifying. You pointed to overnight in this example, but there are lots of things that go on there. And I think in our eyes, what has to happen is how do you ultimately become either large enough you can justify being a walled garden, which I think is unlikely just given how much ABOT is fragmenting, or B, is there something that goes on where you end up with a number of folks coming together uh, in a, an association setting, in a mandated setting, having an external party come in and assisting with regards to uh, ultimately coming up with a new measurement standard? But what's also important is how do you deploy the dollars against that, that AVOD campaign, right? And so there has to be some kind of way to link everything together and flow dollars through. And in an ideal world, that would fit abreast to linear TV and you'd have a singular access point. Now, I think that's probably wishful thinking, but would be hopeful. And in an ideal world, again, as we think about the development, we would have similar level of audience insights, right, in regards to what the advantage we have in OTT today and understanding the audience that we get in a linear TV setting. And we're still a while away from that. But if we had a similar level of audience insight, if we had a similar capability of measurement, both paid and earned, and you can get more sophisticated here and say that maybe there is an ability to use, do earned, right? We see folks like Triple and some of the others embedding products uh, organically into scenes and shows, for instance, to go just put into a Netflix where some of the SVOD players where ABOT is reaching today. But you'd be able to have that same measurement standard paid and earned, and then finally run attribution over the top of it now, the question is who does that? And I think there's been a real struggle as to, A, who's willing from an AVOD side of things to say, okay, I'll come in with my competitors often and enable dollars to flow across our platforms in an easy optionality way. I think that's really difficult to go convince somebody. And then B, who sets that up, right? If it's a, a non-commercial party, if it's a commercial party, uh, and who gets the right to go do that? And so to me, we're at this kind of uh, dead, dead stock, ultimately, or dead place where where do we move forward from here? It's probably going to be difficult in OTT. Um, we'll see the evolution in linear TV, just given it's, it's easier. Um, but on the OTT side of things, going to be slow, and at least in our view. Yeah, I think that's a great point. In, in our opinion, those industry efforts, I think it's fantastic. But based on the experience of historical effort, typically takes much longer time than people would yeah. like to see, yeah. which is the issue. So in the meantime, we do believe a panel-based approach can be one solution. It's not perfect, but at least you will get a kind of the high-level picture. Yeah. For example, in our panel, we have uh, every single OTT apps we can capture. We also can capture multiple platforms, such as Roku or Chromecast or Fire TV, etc. So that's kind of a good way at least to understand everything not at very deep level, but, but at, at least at the high level, macro level, I think that still has some value. Then we can gradually work with the industry body to really introduce something similar to Open SDK or something to really capture all the impression uh, using the same matrix. Then we can try to fuse the panel data with the census data. But if we just keep waiting for the census data coming out, I mean, yeah. that, that may take 
I don't know, three or five years, and uh, that was yeah. significantly delay the advancement of the industry. Yeah. So, so I think it's really a hybrid approach. Let's start with the panel to get whatever stuff we can get out of the system. Yeah. Then we gradually use that to advance the industry, and then eventually, hopefully, uh, an industry-wide solution going to solve this issue. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think you have an advantage given where you sit within the ecosystem, right? And that on the audience measurement side of things, you understand when somebody is watching their device. And OTT is one of the things that they'll go do. And you can measure that via Roku, Amazon, whoever. And I think this is where some of the OEMs have tried to dig in as well, right? They know that they understand, at least on a smart TV basis, who's watching what within some reason, um, whether that's audio watermarking, whether that's whatever sensor listening, however they're going to go do it technology-wise, that capability exists. What they don't have, though, is the audience insight that you guys have. And so they go out into the web and say, I can tell you, you know, this TV is watching these things. I can tell you that this is being played at this time but then they don't have that link to the audience. So they have one data set that's interesting, but it's not really monetizable, um, at least in a full spectrum way. And so you have this interesting advantage given where your devices sit relative to an audience base that at least gets you closer, right? I don't think, we're, and you said it yourself, I don't think we're all the way there today. The depth isn't where it needs to be. That depth will also require participation from the players that you're measuring against. But if at least we can improve the granularity, we're miles ahead of where we were just a few years ago. Um, and unfortunately, I think much of the industry remains using the legacy players that are the foundation of the TV industry to begin with, Nielsen being this prime example. And that transition is still relatively early in the process. A lot of the education lacking, but as that continues to build, the pressure to get higher quality visibility across the entire spectrum, I think, improves and further incentivizes the OTT players, um, mainly Avod at first, then into SVOD, to say, it seems like there's a lot of interest here. We're beyond just pilot testing. We're seeing significant dollars come down the pipe. Agencies are rustling. Brands are rustling. Maybe we're now incentivized enough to take the leap technologically to go try to build something or partner with something or build a standard or a group or something that you mentioned, similar to RDK, to say we're now going to unify and really try to move in the right direction. Yeah, um, I think there's a one good example that how the data can advance the OTT industry um, is co-viewing, which is becoming a big topic. So for folks who uh, never heard of co-viewing, essentially that means when a uh, video is on the screen, how many people are uh, sitting in front of the screen? If you've got multiple people, that's co-viewing experience. And this is a critical issue for all ODT publishers because if you have two people, you might be able to double the CPM. If you have five people, I mean, that's five X your CPM, right? That's the dream of all the publishers. But you're right, today they only know who logged in to the system and they can count the impression, but they don't know much about the audience. Yeah. So they don't know how many people in front of the screen. There might be five people, there might be two, there might be zero, right? The implication for the brand is very different. And the uh, publishers, are, uh, in general, I think they're losing tons of opportunities because on average OTT COVID ratio is higher than digital video, and it's even higher than linear TV. Um, the, the only reason why they cannot capture the opportunity is there's a no good measurement solution able to capture this at scale. Right. Um, so, so I do believe that uh, uh, industry-wide uh, measurement solution can solve many issues. And today we do work with uh, pretty much all major OTT platforms on co-viewing. 
um, but it's not industry standard and we're not covering the entire industry. Um, so so uh, I think some type of the industry-led initiative at some point makes a lot of sense and it will help the entire industry to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And so let, let me ask the, uh, the classical question nowadays, how has COVID-19 affected the space broadly? Do you think about changes in the consumer? Do you think about changes on the enterprise side? Do you think about changes in your customers? What has been the effect and what do you think is going to happen as you think about lasting effects and kind of the new world that we're going to end up in? Sure. Um, so from the audience side, what we see is obviously a huge increase in terms of the viewership, sure. especially during the daytime. Based on our data, almost increased about 70% during the daytime. Wow. So people claim they work from home, they maybe just watching TV. Uh, um, but the interesting thing is OTT pretty much doubled the consumption. Yeah. As now we get into maybe the fourth month of work from home, the initial increase of the linear TV started to saturate or started to decrease a little bit. Yeah. Maybe partially because there's not enough content, right? There's no sports, there's not enough live content or the new shows. But the level of engagement or viewership of OTT still stay at very high level. So this is the interesting phenomenon because essentially COVID-19 educated many first-time OTT viewers around how to use OTT system. And now they just don't want to come go, go back to the legacy cable system. It's like, oh, this is easy. I can search, I can click, right? I don't need TV guide. I watch whatever show I want to watch. Yeah. So these people are not coming back to linear. I think this is the permanent structural change um, COVID-19 did to the entire viewership system. So that's why I do think that maybe the OTT CTV landscape advanced a couple of years ahead because of COVID, which is a very interesting phenomenon. Another side of the formula is obviously brands and agencies, how they are reacting to this pandemic. Uh, what we see is the people try to become a bit more flexible right? Everything now is every three months. The TV industry, to be very honest, used to run based on annual upfront presentation cycle. Yeah. But there's no traditional upfront process anymore. Um, and I think people have been talking about the death of upfront uh, process for a very long time. But every year, somehow CPM has been going up and the people in general are happy about upfront. The COVID may change this forever. Um, all the brands, clients we have, uh, even they have never tried scatter spot. Everybody is doing much more flexible uh, planning. They try to only plan ahead for three months, right? Then every three months make adjustment. Still, I mean, compared to digital media, it's not like a daily optimization. Sure. Sure. A three month is a huge advancement compared to a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I do believe this may become a new normal that even for the TV media, it's better for you to make optimization on a regular basis, which I think is a good thing for the industry as well. Yeah. So, so we do see that the COVID-19 has a huge impact to our industry and in some cases advanced some good practice a uh, few years ahead of the game, uh, which actually can be a good thing for all of us. My hope is, that, so I think those two are, are totally spot on and very much what we see as well. 
my hope is twofold. On the consumer side of things, that that transition is one that accelerates not only the level of demand that OTT is going to experience, like volume being up is undoubted. The question is, you know, what happens right when we go back to normal? How long does that elevated use uh, ultimately flow through? And for the OTT guys, they're thinking about it relative to content as well, right? They want to make sure they have enough content portfolio to sustain those users and not see uh, disloyalty or, or ultimately retention challenges. But the question is, how long do we get those elevated levels for, right? Two, I agree with you in that uh, we're probably seeing a very significant shift in consumer consumption habits, not only in volume, but in the way they're going to go consume content. Because they've been burning through content, if you want to put it that way, they've gone and watched all the shows they want to watch. They were forced to experiment. They were forced to add on new things, go in and purchase Peacock or whatever it was, um, and try to expand it, and they run out of content. And so They've moved to OTT. I, I totally agree with you that they've enjoyed that transition in aggregate. Um, and in aggregate, probably going to see more cable cutting happening, or we'll see the traditional cable guys trying to be involved in additional bundles and or push OTT harder, right? Comcast Peacock is a prime example of this. Can we deploy more OTT to continue that experience while not losing them as cable customers? Um, and that, that's been a perpetual fight now for, for who knows how long, right? But I think it's been accelerated. On the flip side, what we think is happening is brands and agencies alike are getting from top management down kind of the foot to the back to say, hey, what can we cut our costs, right? What can we cut out of this budget? What can we do to make sure we're not wasting money? We look at this and there's a lot of fat, right? Where we're spending our advertising dollars and we don't understand where that fat is being spent. Let's just cut it. And unfortunately, TV, as you're pointing out, is one of the places where for a long time now, and this is the, the history of TV that you know better than I, right? Is you start at the beginning of the year, there's a pitch, there's a conversation, here's the dollars we're going to spend, here's where it's going to go, and then you come back next year and kind of get the results, and you try to somehow correlate the, the results to the amount you spend, and it's very difficult. And uh, TV businesses and agencies and everybody else have taken advantage of that for a long time, I think. And what my hope is, is that brands don't accept that. Agencies need to step it up. Uh, agencies are already under pressure against consultancies and their customers just in housing, Brands have lower tolerance than ever did before because from a financial perspective, they're experiencing strains. And our hope is that as the, the people who are spending the money say, okay, I'll give you X number of dollars, but I need to know exactly where it's going. I need to know exactly the results it's going to generate so I can understand ROI and then stack my ROI priority, right? So I should go spend this many dollars on TV because my ROI is X. I spend this many dollars on video because my ROI is Y. That pressure, I'm hoping, will incentivize innovation and adoption for companies like yourself and others as well in the ecosystem to say, we really are going to need to deliver a product that ultimately satisfies brand needs and agency needs. And I think in doing that, you naturally incentivize an acceleration that has been limited for the most part by brand awareness. That is, brands not really even aware that these technologies exist because they've been doing this for the last 30 years the same way. My hope is in doing that, you accelerate this adoption, you accelerate everything along the path, and we end up gaining, as you said, a few years of the timeline um, and put ourselves forward. And I think that trickles down into fundraising, I think that trickles down into m and I think that trickles down into the health of the space. And so we're pretty excited that COVID-19 has hopefully kind of thrown gasoline on the fire of connected TV broadly. Yeah, I really like your comments on the agency. I think the agency business model for the last couple of years, it's in not easy 
yes. situation, right? Absolutely. Like, uh, I think every major brand run an agency review process, three years, four years. Yeah. Every agency have to do all the free work to send a proposal. Then the major criteria is around the, the, the price, right? And also the CPM type of the guarantee. And to be honest, there's no single agency able to claim if we just compete on the pricing, we can be way cheaper than other agencies. Just yeah. simply impossible. So this is kind of the race to the bottom for the last couple of years. And COVID really kind of accelerated uh, the, the, uh, the break of the system because this is not sustainable. Right. If you just keep lowering CPM, at some point, only thing you can buy is a really bad spot overnight. Yeah. But everybody knows that's not good for anyone's business. Wow. So I think it's important for the agency to transform themselves to add more values instead of just cutting the cost. Right. Um, we signed a, a, a partnership with Dentsu Aegis Group to supply our attention data for all its clients. I think that's a great example. Instead of just uh, offering lower CPM spot, why not building some proprietary uh, a model or planning system to help brands to find high quality inventory, which only Dentsu can find, right? I think that's value added. Then that's good for the clients, good for Dentsu Aegis Group, and good for the industry. So I think hopefully this COVID will push industry and especially agency move to uh, a more value-added service instead of just doing the transaction, just finding the cheap spot. Because that game, nobody wins. And at the end of the day, um, the, the, the price is not the only uh, um, KPI in the industry. We also need to look into the quality of the media. Yeah. One thing I'll add to that is I think consultancies have also reached into the pot of agencies and said, we know agencies are in trouble. We feel their pain. Can we take advantage of that and capture dollars? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, consultancies have said, we probably have a better capability to build tech. We probably have a better capability to go acquire tech. And maybe what we'll do is reach into agency customers and say, hey, look, this agency you're working with owns no tech. Uh, they're marking you up significantly. Why don't you come to us? We have proprietary tech that you can't build in-house or it'll take you years if you want to build it. Um, and we'll charge you probably less for it anyway because our markup is less significant. And all of a sudden, the agencies are in this really tough position. And you know, the agencies, to your point, have a partner, right? They've done a good job in saying, we need to figure out how do we provide value here, right? This idea that creative service has value, that was dead a long time ago. The idea that just being able to race to the bottom is dead. I think it's still unfortunately living, but it's, it's on its way to be dead. Uh, and this idea that we could charge ludicrous markups and not tell anybody about it, also dead. Uh, and so what's happening is, again, they're either doing partnerships, businesses like yours, and saying, we build a partnership model. And I think that's interesting when done in aggregate, right? I think there's value to that. And it's particularly valuable for smaller brands who would have a difficulty in understanding those kinds of partnerships. That is, it'd be tough for a small brand to come to T-Vision maybe and say, I want to do this kind of partnership because it's expensive, because it's difficult, whatever. It's less compelling if you're a large brand, right? Because the branch is just going to go brand direct to you and get the same deal or better. And then two, they've tried really hard to go develop stuff internally and take a portion of all the budget they have and invest in technology Sometimes I'm telling people, but invest in technology or acquire technology. And it had a pretty hard time doing that, right? And, and what they found is maybe they're not designed to go build and acquire tech. And if they want to be that kind of business, they need to go bring new people in. And at the same time, 
those technology minds have left and gone to large brands and they're bringing them in-house. And so, again, as we look at agencies specific, there's some challenges going on, M&A to try to fight those challenges, but challenges nonetheless. Yeah, agreed. I think um, the the agency, I think, is is uh, really have to innovate on its own business model. Just talking about a few challenges we identified in the industry, right? For example, the ODT measurement. Uh, given there is no kind of the unified matrix today, if an agency able to help its clients to figure out at least at some level, to aggregate data and try to clean up the data and help them to show what's the the um, the deduplicated reach frequency across the platforms, that's extremely yeah. valuable, right? That's it. I mean, PNG Unilever might be able to do this by themselves, but most of the brands, there's no capability or yeah. no resource to do that. Agreed. So I think agency really got to focus on something value-added, something... Uh, their clients cannot do to really um, prove they're, they're really valuable uh, in the ecosystem. Um, but I think for the last couple of years, many agencies focus too much on just winning the new bidding through lower price. Yeah. That's a virtual cycle because once you lower the price, you have less money to invest into tech and people, then, then uh, clients are not happy, they will lose this deal in the next couple of years, then you try to win another bidding at the even lower price, <laughs> eventually you have no margin left. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You end up out of business is where you probably end up, but uh, <laughs> we won't break that to anybody quite yet. Um, awesome. Well, let's go to kind of the last question here, and, and I think we've touched on it a little bit throughout this, but if you look at your crystal ball, right, or ultimately look down the road, what comes next, right? Where do you think we end up? What does that evolution look like? What is the product as you look down two, three, four, five, ten years down the road? I'd be very curious to get your thoughts around where are we headed? Uh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> I, I think that our industry fundamentally is driven by the audience behavior. Um, so we need to think about how audience behavior will shift in the future then the measurement industry need to catch that up and the entire advertising industry have to figure out a new ad ecosystem to serve the consumer. So the consumer clearly are shifting their attention in terms of the platform. Uh, I believe the linear TV decline will accelerate. Um, Maybe in the near future, the time span within video, the linear TV Today accounts for roughly 70%. That ratio may go down to less than 50%. Yeah. That might be a tipping point for the industry really need to come up with a cross-platform measurement system, which we have been talking about this for more than 10 years. But if the legacy measurement system only able to capture less than 50% of your media spend, then the pain becomes just so uh, big that nobody can ignore this anymore. I think that that will happen. Another thing is around this concept of outcome-driven marketing. Uh, The tenure of CMO is also getting shorter and shorter because of um, the CEO asks, hey, what's the ROI? The CMO cannot quite prove that. Then then they find another CMO able to prove this, right? I think there'll be a, a more sophisticated way to really um, understand the marketing ROI 
not only from the short-term outcome, which is easier to do, such as TV attribution, you can track website visits, uh, uh, like a search or downloads. I think that's good. But another aspect of marketing is really around the long-term brand building. So you somehow need to mix up both elements, especially for large brands, right? Otherwise, the short-term uh, 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 outcome is almost like a, a drug. Like a, you, you, you spend some money, you get high, then you basically uh, uh, stop the spending, then goes back to normal, then you spend again, spend again, spend again. Um, so you do need to have the both elements. I haven't really seen a good kind of the um, attribution or MRI, uh, uh, MMM model to prove both long-term and short-term effect of all media. Um, I think that is required uh, for the industry um, as the consumer behavior continue to shift to multiple screens. It becomes tougher to track all the activities. Um, but at the end of the day, the brands or the CMO at each brand really need that type of solution to continue to prove the value of marketing as a profit center, not as a cost center. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And I think the, the thing that I'd add is we believe that from an M&A perspective as a bank, that where M&A is going to happen is in the consolidation of the three parts of measurement in our eyes, right? Audience measurement, uh, ad measurement, paid and earned, and in attribution. We think that ultimately you end up with a player who has those cross capabilities. Um, it's probably led by somebody with lots of dollars in attribution today, but could be led from the bottom as well. Um, but that if you don't have that consolidated view, you can't achieve the things that you're talking about. Um, but that hopefully when you have that consolidated view, you pair that with some kind of distribution capability. Um, and whether that's uh, what we see in the traditional ad tech world, whether that's something we see in the MarTech world, where we can hit linear TV, we can hit OTT, we can hit a number of different places in a fairly singular source and understand measurement in a standardized way and data quality in a standardized way, that that fundamentally has an effect on the number of dollars that are spent uh, in TV and increases it beyond where it is today, although it's already elevated today. Um, and then finally, gives folks the ability to understand ROI in a way similar to what you're mentioning, a very comprehensive view, both short-term and long-term effects. So um, I think aligned in regards to how we see the future. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Awesome. Well, Jan, this has been, uh, this has been a real pleasure. I, I appreciate you being on the show. I've enjoyed it. I think everybody will enjoy it. Is going to listen in and uh, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, let's, Catch up soon. Absolutely. All right. Bye, Jan.